Peter and Mark, so great to have you guys back here. How's it going? Give us a little bit more details about we had you on Monday and this project is coming up. It's going live this week or what's going on with the project overall? Give us the timeline and the layout here. Mark can fill you guys in on it. I see he's on. Hey, what's up, guys? Everything is going swimmingly. The event will be Friday and we've seems like we've come to a couple conclusions on how we're going to roll this out. And as this space moves quickly, sometimes procrastination can be a good thing. And getting to the point, these recursive ordinals seem like potentially the way to go. So we will come to a conclusion soon. That's a new development. Other than that, the auction will take place. It's online, but we will be there in person. And as long as you're registered, you can vote right up until 9 p.m. on Friday. That's awesome. So could you, is this a custom platform you guys are using? Or are you using a specific auction platform for this? Can you dive a little deeper into those details? It is basically custom. We have a small team running it. We looked for a solution, but it just wasn't quite feasible given the format where the top bidder gets the number one print and ordinal. And then number 50 gets in descending order. We are doing it in-house. It's going so far, and there seems to be a lot of interest. That's fantastic. And tell us about the event on Friday. What's going to go on there? Are we people going to be able to get a book signed by Peter in person? Tell us a little bit about that event. I'm going to be there. I don't know if I may bring some books in. I got to look in my garage. I wasn't necessarily planning on doing a book signing. Um, but people could bring their books. Obviously, if somebody brings a book, I can, I'd be happy to sign it. But I am going to be signing the prints. I believe that we're, Mark, are you bringing all 50 of the prints to the auction? Yes, they will be there for you to sign. So I'm going to sign them there. And I guess if you have a winning, if somebody is in person and they win one, would they be able to walk out of the gallery with their print? Definitely. Yeah, and I guess everybody will know which number they get. If you happen to be there, and you'll be able to get the number that corresponds to your bid. That's awesome. I'm seeing on the website that there is an opening bid of 30000 for the original painting. So there's essentially an original. Could you walk us through what that is and some of the more details on the opening bid and the, the different items here? Yes, so the original painting, oil on linen, four by five feet, one of one piece. So that will come with a, just a, you, I'm calling it a raw ordinal. In effect, it's just the image itself with no numbering. Then the number one print will come with the number one ordinal and so forth down to 50. And the high bidder will get number one and in descending order down to number 50. Awesome. Leo, you have a question. Go ahead. Yeah. So market, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your history as an artist, like how you met Peter. I think you guys maybe mentioned y'all were like neighbors or something. I would love to just hear what other art you've created other than this piece and just hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, I'm one of these generally people that likes to stay in the background, but I've been in this space just about as long as you could be. So I've always just found it fascinating. And I moved, and Peter and I became neighbors a while back. And we would always discuss this matter back and forth. But really over time, as I got to know him, he 
knows more about Bitcoin than just about any other person. And he's this foil to our space. But all his other ideals, everything matches up. Him and I became great friends. And over time, we just discussed it. And this project evolved. And I think who better than to represent gold than Peter Schiff? And uh, I think this imagery, timeless. People have commented on the content, but uh, just a bar of gold in a human hand. Really, our interpretation of it is really what gives it value to begin with. And uh, the birds of paradise, which are uh, seen throughout my work. And uh, you mentioned other projects I've done. I have a puzzle out right now. It's on my website. I released it a couple years ago. There are 13 Bitcoin hidden in it. It's called the Boss Card. It's been on there for a couple years. You can check it out. And um, market. no one is found You're it. saying that people have not found them. Like there's Bitcoin. Yeah, it's, it's no no one has found it. And so I'm cool. actually a little disappointed. I was I would have thought somebody may have gone a little further in the process by now, but it's out there. Anyone can check it out. That's incredibly neat. I'm looking at it right now. It's a great piece of art. Yeah, it's out there. It's something that's on my site, but there's other things people are welcome to explore. But this particular project, we don't have much time today, but it's really maybe doing my little part for the Bitcoin community and getting somebody like Peter involved where he can still stick to his principles. We have this physical piece, which I think holds true to everything he talks about. It's tangible. You can touch it. You can trade it. It'll have his signature on it. So that exists. And the ordinal can be looked at as a certificate of authenticity or as a maybe just something that over time might be the only thing that uh, survives this thing. Maybe in hundreds or thousands of years, only the ordinal will exist. So we had a lot of interesting reactions from the two of you coming on the show on Monday. And I would say I probably would put them into two buckets. So one bucket was basically commending you, Peter, for being very logically consistent in the people who've listened to you for a very long time, basically understand the way you think your argument and believe that it's actually very much, it totally makes sense why you would be interested in storing art on Bitcoin in that use case and then have no interest with another use case. The other side was basically saying that this is like completely insane. Like, how could you possibly say that Bitcoin is worthless and then be an ordinal proponent? And that kind of group came to the conclusion that you were doing this to spite Bitcoin maxis. So I'm curious, those are just the two narratives more or less out there. I would love to hear your take. And like, what would your response be to people saying this? Yeah, first of all, I'm creating something that, I think would be appealing to people who, you know, like Bitcoin, who believe in it, even if I don't, but they believe in it, or they believe in ordinals. I think it's, it may be a significant for Bitcoin that I didn't do anything with NFTs and people ask me about it, but I never did anything with NFTs, but I'm doing something with ordinals. The fact that I chose gold, obviously I could have chose some other subject. I'm obviously known in the Bitcoin community for gold. And so I'm holding the gold up as if to say it's gold, not Bitcoin. But I think that still could be a valuable message that people who believe in Bitcoin would want to own to the extent that it turns out that I'm wrong. But it also, in a way, 
if you want to interpret it to mean that Bitcoin is now the new gold because this image is of gold ascribed on the blockchain. Because if you look at the way Bitcoin is depicted, it's depicted like a gold coin. It looks like a coin and the color is gold, even though in reality it has no shape and it has no color. It has no texture. It doesn't have anything, but it's made to look like gold. This basically takes that to a higher level by actually having that bar of gold inscribed on that uh, Satoshi. So it's a significant thing. And one of the things that Bitcoiners ascribe value to Bitcoin is that it's scarce. I've always said scarcity doesn't mean anything without some inherent value. It has to be scarce and be useful because something can be scarce, but if you can't do anything with it, who cares? There's only 50 of these prints. <laughs> so they're a lot more, they're a lot scarcer than Bitcoin or certainly Satoshi's. And the value of this ordinal, other than the fact that there is an image there that is unique and sets it apart from the other Satoshi's that don't have the image, is the fact that it's also linked to a tangible print by an artist who in his own right may be a very famous artist one day in the future. He's got a good following now. It could develop as he matures and gets older. And so who knows what a market price numbered original print might be worth, certainly the original oil. But not only is it signed by Mark, but it's signed by me. There's only one painting that will exist at this moment. There's only 50 prints and ordinals that will exist that will bear our signatures. So we'll see. We'll see what they may be worth. And again, I'm designing these for the Bitcoin community. Now, you can just be a Peter Schiff fan and not give a damn about the ordinal. You just want the print. And maybe you'll just take the ordinal because you get it for free. And maybe if it goes up, you could sell it. Somebody could sell the ordinal and keep the print if they wanted to. I think ideally you want to keep them together, but people can do whatever they want with them. And it's interesting. I think it's going to be fun for me to sit back and watch what happens to them. Because I only have 50. We're not, I'm not holding them back. I'm, we're selling them. And to the extent that a market starts to develop and people start trading them, it's got nothing to do with me. It just happens on its own. It'll be interesting to see you know, where the market price settles on something like this. If people develop more interest in it, I think I'm likely to get more famous over time as well, right or wrong on my Bitcoin predictions. I know my economic predictions are right on. I know a lot of the stuff that I've been forecasting is going to happen. And so I think I'm going to be an even popular historic figure in the future than I am today. And so that could add even more value to these 50 ordinals and prints that even if I do more, right, and there's nothing that says that I couldn't do more, these are always going to be the first ones. And so from that respect, they'll have that additional value because no other ones will be first. And so obviously the number one print, I think there's a pretty decent bid so far for the number one ordinal, which is the first one of the 50. There could be some value just to being in on the very beginning of this. And there are people out there that hope that maybe I'm going to ultimately be a full-on Bitcoiner. I don't think that's the case. And I'm not trying to tell anybody that I'm there. But to the extent that I ever get there, this might be the first step on that journey. So again, that also could have some significance if that actually happens. Peter, you just said something pretty interesting there because again, I'm just trying to get in your head. It's a little confusing to people on Twitter, your motivations. Everybody's just speculating and we have you here. There's no reason to speculate. So you, you just said that you're interested, one of your motivations here is that you're interested in sharing 
this narrative of gold to Bitcoin people. And it's almost, I don't want to use the word PSYOP, but it's, it is like you're flying a plane over enemy territory, dropping the pamphlets. <laughs> you're in the enemies, inside the enemy walls, <laughs> inscribing gold propaganda. Is your motivation here to educate people about gold? Is that like the, the kind of end goal for you? I'm doing that too, because I'm basically telling people gold is triumphant. It's gold and triumph. And I, and I ultimately think that part of what gold is going to triumph over is Bitcoin. But then again, I'm using Bitcoin to send that message. So maybe there's some irony there. People say, hey, you're saying Bitcoin is worthless. You made these Satoshis. I can still put an image on a Satoshi. Whether or not it has any value, it's not somebody else could buy it. It could have a price. I've acknowledged that Bitcoin has a price. The price has gone up a lot over the years. It's coming down now, but it's gone up. But there's a difference between price and value. And if people want to buy these ordinals, there's going to be a market price for them as long as people want to buy them. I have no idea if there'll always be demand there, but at least I think there'll always be demand for these prints. And because there'll always be demand for the prints, there may always be demand for the ordinals as well, because they ultimately drive their value from the original work of art that they authenticate and represent a ownership and a record, not just who owns the ordinal today, the print today, but in a hundred years, if that print has been owned by 10 people, you'll know who they were. You'll see who owned it before you did. And obviously too, you have to keep the print in good condition. If the print gets ripped or something, then the print may lose some value, but at least you could have the ordinal, right? Even if somehow your print burned in a fire, you at least have an ordinal that didn't have a print attached to it, but maybe you could get something for the ordinal. But I think there's less risk to people in buying one of these than just owning Bitcoin outright. Awesome. Peter's coming out swinging in this space with all the Bitcoiners. Adam, go ahead. You have your hand raised. It's interesting to me, Peter, when you said you didn't do NFTs. You saw obviously the NFT hype and boom in 21. What made you do it now? What made you make this connection now and decide to do it on Bitcoin? Like my gut says, oh, it's just this amazing troll maneuver. But was that what was going through your mind at the time when you were figuring like, oh, I'll do it on ordinals now? I didn't know about ordinals. Mark had to tell me about them. I thought, oh, that's interesting that now Bitcoin can do these ordinals. And yeah, I'm more known as a Bitcoin critic than an Ether critic. So I thought it was more interesting that I would choose Bitcoin to do it on. And yeah, part of it is, yeah, I'm trolling the Bitcoiners and I am shoving this bar of gold in their face. But at the same time, there could be value to these ordinals in the Bitcoin community to owning that. If you think that the ordinals have value and art, it's a piece of art, it's there and it commemorates a very important figure. Wherever, if Bitcoin ends up being successful, if it does, and I still don't believe it will, but let's say for a moment that it does, I could end up being the most prominent naysayer of the of Bitcoin in its infancy. I'm the guy that was, no, it couldn't work. And if I eventually turn around, that could even be another thing that happens. But this could be a very significant piece of that history 50 years from now, 100 years from now, who knows? And why not buy it? They're not expensive, I don't think. We're selling them for the price of a print. You get the actual print. They look nice. They put them in a frame and hang it up on a wall. 
I just thought it was interesting. And I think it's fun. I'm like enjoying putting it out there and seeing the reaction. I thought it was funny when I first tweeted it out that all the people thought it was a hack. But there were so many articles that were written. I read online. You can go back and see them all. So many people just saying that, aha, I'm now welcome to Bitcoin. I've finally been won over. And of course, I never even said that. But it seems like so many people in the Bitcoin community are just waiting for that moment to happen. And they're just they just want my approval or my blessing on this or they just see it as a, you know, if they can only get me. I'm like a significant hurdle. Like just get Peter Schiff over the line and it's going to open up a floodgate. More important than a lot of other people that, you know, maybe more better known like a Warren Buffett, let's say, or a Jamie Dimon, who may be better known outside the Bitcoin community. But I think within the community itself, I am the most well-known Bitcoin critic, gold advocate. And again, I even confirmed that by Chad GPT. I think that these particular ordinals should have value, especially if it turns out that I'm wrong. Getting you into the NFT space, at least at the minimum, now that you're an NFT or like the rest of us here, I think is uh, that's a huge win for us. So I'm counting. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for your service. Peter definitely doesn't have to convince us. You've said plenty of things over the years that we all remember quite well. So you're mentioning these two futures, right? This future where your son's right and Bitcoin proliferates and hyper Bitcoinization happens. The whole world is like using Bitcoin as a currency. And theoretically, it could flip gold at some point in the future. And then this other world where Bitcoin crashes and burns, gold remains as it has been for an extremely long period of time, the primary like store of value. One of the things that people were super curious about after our last conversation was just you have obviously an interesting relationship with your son, both having very different views on this. Your son literally is hanging out with these laser eye maxis, has become pretty good friends with them, it sounds. I'm curious, what's that relationship like? And can you just share anything else about have you guys spoken much more about ordinals? Like, what's his take on ordinals? I'd love to hear just any extra details there. It's very unique. There's this father son relationship dynamic here. I think it's pretty typical of the generational divide and just the every generation thinks they know more than the previous generations. They think their parents and grandparents just are behind the times. They don't get it. And he's just like a lot of young people who are libertarian. In fact, my son is more so anti-government to me. He's an anarcho-capitalist. So a lot of times kids want to rebel. There's a natural desire to rebel against your parents. And with me, instead of rebelling, like being a left-wing socialist, because I'm a libertarian, he didn't rebel by getting to my left. He went to my right. He went to anarchy, which is, I'm like, well, I'm not there. We argue about that. And I don't believe in no government. I just want to limit it. He wants to completely eradicate it. He's gotten to that extreme on government. And he has the same viewpoint on Bitcoin, where he believes in this. And that's just what he feels. And I think based on his limited experience in his youth, I think he's wrong on anarchy as well. And so I think he's wrong on on Bitcoin. Not that I don't think anarchy would be great in some kind of ideal fantasy world, but I just don't think that world can exist. Nor do I think a world can exist where we have hyper-Bitcoinization and Bitcoin becomes money. I just think that's like a, a dream that would be nice if it could actually happen, but I don't think it can. But I think when you're young and idealistic, 
you may have those type of views that you may no, no longer hold on to when you've had a lot more experience. I'm 60 years old and I'm not 20. So I've been around a lot longer than my son. And so I have more experience. Now, where would I be if I was 20? It's hard to say because I'm not 20. I don't know what 20-year-old Peter Schiff would have done. Maybe I'd have been a Bitcoiner like he is. I don't know, right? Because I, I have the benefit of those 40 years. and But you don't know what somebody what I would have done without that experience. But we have, a, I guess, a normal father-son relationship. We had maybe some things are quirky about it that may not be completely normal. And now he's even moving. He's now infatuated or obsessed with artificial intelligence. That seems to be more his thing now and contemplating whether or not this means we're all going to die or not, which means that who cares what Bitcoin is worth if the AI decides to wipe us all out. <laughs> so... Peter, I'm curious. This is my last question related to your son. What's it like at the Schiff household when your son and you just have a Twitter war and you just sit down at the dinner table, eat some meatloaf? Like, paint that picture for us. Remember, Remember rules about this stuff at home or what's the deal? My son is away in college. He goes to Boston University. So we're not normally at the dinner table. And he's backed away from Twitter, too. Like, for a while, he got obsessed with Twitter. And you'll notice he picked up, like, maybe 140, 150,000 followers. He doesn't even tweet much anymore. Like he goes from things being really important to him to now moving on to something else that's on his mind. And so he doesn't even have as big an interest. So we don't do as many Twitter battles as we used to. He used to troll me all the time. The minute I tweeted something, he'd immediately start criticizing it. It was like, and sometimes, yeah, we would be in the same house and we'd just be tweeting back and forth against each other rather than talking. He's really disengaged from that. Doesn't do it much. He does it a little bit. But we don't really, when we're in person, if we're at the dinner table or we're doing something together, we don't really talk about it a lot. We each know each other's positions. And so we're not trying to change anybody's mind right now. I guess if there's a zombie apocalypse, at least you can make weapons out of gold and you can beat zombies over the head with it. Can't do that with Bitcoin, though. But yeah, I can hit someone on the head with a bar of gold, but it's not the best thing to use for that. I'm just saying but... in the event of a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> it would be it would still be useful. Let's go to the hands. Let's go to Charlie and then Satoshi Enjoyer. Yeah, this is great. Peter's been a great, wonderful critic of Bitcoin for a long time. I think one of the best. And I love seeing this. You never know exactly what's going to bring people in and get them interested. So the, on the topic of, so Peter's making these inscriptions, Peter. Very cool. Really cool. I love this. Welcome to the space. I think one of the Peter's criticisms of Bitcoin is that like it doesn't do anything. So I get that. But so we've got these inscriptions, which are these images, and you've got this hand holding a bar of gold, but you can put anything on there that goes beyond just images. Now we have the ability to put information and data on Bitcoin. Perhaps, Peter, do you think that might be a compelling use case if we were to continue to develop on this idea? Yes, it's certainly an improvement over what was there before, which was nothing. So it's possible that instead of thinking Bitcoin is worthless, I may concede it's worth something. The question is, what? Because Bitcoin is not the only blockchain. You can inscribe stuff on other blockchains. And you only need one Satoshi to put the, the inscription. And there's 2.1 quadrillion of those. So the question is, if this is the only use case, right, putting data to evidence ownership of things, whether it's art or real property, securities, whatever it is, 
if this is the only use case for Bitcoin, and given that you can do this with other tokens other than Bitcoin, what does that make a Satoshi worth? I don't know, right? Do I want to try to speculate what it may be worth? Not really, because it may be worth a lot less than $25,000, which is what they cost now. So I just don't know. Now, I would think that maybe if we have this one use case, maybe there'll be another and another. I don't know. I, I have no idea what other use case you may come up with. But what I always thought was ridiculous was saying it doesn't need a use case because it's gold. Gold has a use case. It's a metal. <laughs> it's a very valuable metal with very unique special properties that are needed to do certain things. And the fact that people hold gold and don't use it for those things doesn't negate the fact that you could use it for those things. And the fact that you're storing it simply means that you're holding it so that somebody else in the future can do those things because gold doesn't lose that value over time. So the idea that coin is digital gold because it could just sit there and do nothing was BS. Again, the maximalists like my son just like, oh, no, you don't, you don't never. It just Bitcoin is what it is. It's valued because it is what it is, because it's Bitcoin and people want it. But to me, that was just a Ponzi or a pyramid or so you, I, the fact that you can actually do something with it gives it some value. I just have no idea how much value. Maybe a Bitcoin is worth $10 now. I don't know. But that's still a long way from where it is now. Right? You lose a lot of money if it turns out Bitcoin is worth $10. But $10 is not zero. So if it ends up being worth $10, then I was wrong to say it was worthless. Great points, Peter. Thank you for that. Satoshi Enjoyer, go ahead. Hi, everybody. Nice to see everybody here, including Peter. I had a question for Peter, but it was like almost exactly similar to what Charlie was saying. Peter, I really enjoy a lot of your content, like your interviews and your debates. And it seems like a big talking point was that there's no actual use case or utility for a Bitcoin to asset. And you gave examples like, for example, cigarettes in jail. They have a use case outside of that so they can be money. Now that we actually have a use case that can clearly be seen, the asset can be used as fees to pay for putting data on chain. Not just the one Satoshi that we're inscribing, but you still need Satoshis to pay for as fees. And as fees go up, that value continues to go up. So I was wondering if that also changes the dynamic of Bitcoin actually having a, a utility and a use case directly, the asset itself. It's basically the same previous question. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily brings Bitcoin closer to money. It just might mean that there'll be something to do with it other than just hodl it. Because again, I don't think it's going to be at a point where it could be stable enough to be a unit of account or a medium of exchange. The transaction costs can be low enough. And again, at its current price point, there's just so much downside risk. Everybody wants to focus on what they believe to be the upside potential in Bitcoin. Oh, it could go to the moon. It could go to a million. I'm more concerned with the downside risk. What if it goes to a thousand, which is still way above zero, but it's a long way down from where it is right now. And you can't hold Bitcoin as money, as a store of value, which money needs to be really, to, in addition to unit of account and medium of exchange. You can't really do that if the price can crash to a thousand and you're paying twenty five thousand. So I just don't see how Bitcoin can serve that function, giving the tremendous risk that anybody who buys it takes. Uh, great point, Peter. Yeah. Thank you very much. 
Peter, could you share with the audience how you work backwards to calculate the fair market value for gold? And then maybe we can make an analogy to Bitcoin. We could try to see if we can punch back on this argument. Gold, you basically have to look historically at the relationship that gold has had to other commodities to get a relative value for gold versus oil, wheat, soybeans, copper, stuff like that. You can look back historically. You can also look at historical relationships between gold and other assets, the value of all the gold versus the value of all the stocks, the value of all the real estate. You can look at gold historically as a percentage of global GDP or even narrow it down to like US GDP or something. There are different ways you can go back over time and you can even go back over centuries, even before the United States. One of the most common ways that people look at gold over time is they go back to the Roman toga where a toga was an ounce of gold to get a fine toga. And today you can a man could buy a, a fine suit for an ounce of gold. The price has been relatively stable over time. And, and another thing I look at too is just look at the fiscal situation of the major economies, particularly the United States, how much debt and how much money is likely to be printed to monetize that debt. And because you always want to look at the supply of gold versus the supply of paper. And if the dollar supply and euro and yen supply, if they're really going to go up and the gold supply isn't, then the price of gold in terms of these fiat currencies has to go much higher. But I don't have any kind of way of knowing exactly where it's going to end up. Right? I can't figure that out. I just know that the future price of gold is going to be much higher than the price that it is today for a lot of reasons. Thank you for that overview. And when it comes to Bitcoin itself, do you subscribe to the idea that it's more like a kind of tech stock then? If And I think if you look at the price action, the markets has mirrored that over the over the COVID and over the pandemic. And so do you think of it as a tech stock? And also, how do you personally explain the value of Bitcoin? Why is there so much liquidity? Why are billions of dollars going into it? And how has it maintained this for more than a decade? First of all, in the scheme of things, I don't know that 12, 13 years is that long. And the first few years, hardly anybody really knew about it. It really didn't come on the radar in a big way until, let's say, 2017, really. And five or six years where Bitcoin's kind of been in the spotlight. And yeah, I think the people that got in early did a good job of promoting it. And the fact that it went up suckered in a lot of people. It's part of the history of the Fed's bubble blowing during this 0% QE era. And I think the way that information spreads today with the internet and everything, it made it a lot easier to get more people in on it. So I think the bubble was able to get bigger than a bubble like this might have gotten 20 or 30 years ago if it wasn't as easy to spread the story and get more people to get in on it. But I disagree that you've seen this big increase in adoption. You've just seen a big increase in speculation. You have more people gambling on the price going up. Only now with the ordinals, you're looking at a little bit of a use case, but I don't think it's not evolving as money. It's not, I think personally, there were more businesses that advertised that they accepted Bitcoin in 2017 than now. I think any businesses have moved away from it the people that own their Bitcoin really don't want to spend them anyway. 
uh, and merchants really don't want them. They were only interested in the money that people could get from selling their Bitcoin. That's what we did with Shift Gold, right? Shift Gold, we partnered up with BitPay early on so that we made it easier for people to get rid of their Bitcoin to get dollars to buy gold. Not that many people want to get rid of their Bitcoin because they think the price is going to go up. But the problem is there aren't enough new people willing to bet that the price is going to go up to keep it going up. And there's not enough new people coming in to allow the people that are already in to get out without the market crashing. I think that's already going to happen. And again, that's one of the reasons I'm telling people, hey, maybe you should at least buy this ordinal (laughs) with your Bitcoin, because when your Bitcoin goes to zero, at least you're going to have a nice print that you can hang on your wall as a monument to your own foolishness that you got taken in by it. But at least you'll end up with a print. All right, I'm going to go to Leonidas, co-host privilege. Go ahead. Okay, so I'll make this quick and then Jake's good things. I definitely want you guys to go. Peter, I got to double click on what Enjoyer was saying. You basically have this argument that hinges on the fact that Bitcoin doesn't have things you can do with it, but gold can, because otherwise they have a lot of extremely similar properties. Okay, and essentially you would just acknowledge this, that ordinals are a use case for Bitcoin. Like really for the first time, I agree with you. Like, I don't see anybody going to Walmart and buying with Bitcoin or going to the coffee shop and buying with Bitcoin. That's a thing that gets talked about. Nobody actually does that. But for the first time ever, really, in my opinion, we exclude the early Silk Road days. People are using Bitcoin as a currency. Like people who don't care about Bitcoin, they're over on Ethereum collecting NFTs. All they want to do is collect like a cool inscription like market price made. And they come here and it's okay. how do I collect that inscription? You have to buy some Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the currency that you're going to be able to buy that in. So we've seen hundreds of millions of dollars of volume of this over the past two months, all because people just want to buy the inscriptions. They literally don't care about the Bitcoin, but they're creating demand for Bitcoin because of that. So I'm just painting a picture here where let's imagine this trend continues. People continue to create valuable art that's really cool on Bitcoin and more people have demand for that art, which you would agree does have some value. And they have to denominate and use Bitcoin in order to complete that purchase. Would you agree that is a trend line for people using Bitcoin to do real things? Again, it might be, but I still think Bitcoin has a long way to fall because there's a lot of people that own Bitcoin that that couldn't give a damn about buying these ordinals from me or anybody else. They just got into Bitcoin because they wanted to get rich. They wanted to go to the moon and buy a Lambo. And so I think there's still a long way for Bitcoin to go down before we figure out if it has any value. And if it does have any value, how much? And will part of that value derive from the ability to put an asset on there to inscribe an ordinal? But anyway, I got to get going from this. I don't know if Mark wants to hang out. I'm doing a podcast tonight at nine o'clock and I have this bad cough. So I got to rest my voice. I got to talk about the Fed's action today and stuff like that. So I got to get off the call, eat some dinner and rest my voice. But hey, if anybody who is listening to this is in the New York area, you know, in New York City, come on down. Whether you bid on these things or not, come down and have a drink and look at some art and say hello. And it should be a fun night. Uh, All right. Take care, guys. Thanks so much, Peter.